Imagine yourself under a starry sky around the warm glow of the sacred fire as your hosts, Saren Odinson, Jim Two Snakes, and Caitlin Stormbreaker talk about shamanism, animism, books, science, psychology, pop culture, and more. Welcome to a show inspired by those late night conversations by real life spiritual practitioners. Won't you come and join us around Grandfather Fire? To our ancestors, big and small, the ones that we have lost over these last few months, I bring to you this lullaby. May it help you pass and sleep in peace while we have to wait to do the work for you. May you rest peacefully during this time until we can do what we need to do most. The sky is dark and the hills are white as a storm king speeds from the north to night. And this is a song the storm king sings as over the world his cloak he flings. Sleep, sleep, little one, sleep. He rustles his wings and gruffly sings. Sleep, little one, sleep. On yonder mountainside, a vine clings at the foot of a mother pine. The tree bends over the trembling thing, and only the vine can hear her sing. Sleep, sleep, little one, sleep. What shall you fear when I am here? Sleep, little one, sleep. The king may sing in his bitter flight. The tree may croon to the vine tonight, but the little snowflake at my breast liketh the song I sing the best. Sleep, little one, sleep. Weary thou heart, annexed my heart. Sleep, little one, sleep. Written by Eugene Field, but I want to say a little extra. May your lungs be freed. May they be clear and full of breath. And may we give thanks to those that fought at your very bed. Rise above now, great ones, those we miss the most. May we visit you soon, but on this side of the road. I'm sorry you had to go, because I know it wasn't your time but the ancestors are waiting for you to dine. We will see you soon, once again, in the halls of whoever you choose. Welcome everybody to another episode of Around Grandfather Fire. You're listening to episode number 45. I am Jim Two Snakes, joined as always by my good friends and co-hosts Sarah Thunson and Caitlin Stormbreaker. How are you both doing tonight? Thank you, Caitlin, for that wonderful prayer and poem introduction. That was 
Sarah and I need to go take a minute and cry. Just give us a sec. We'll yeah, pretty there. much. Sorry, guys. <laughs> that has been part of my daily prayers. I have one specific prayer that I've been doing for uh, the Baron, actually, uh, for a while now. But every morning I've been adding um, not only our healthcare workers, but also mm-hmm. those who have passed during this time, those that were unable to receive their final rites because, you know, priests can't go into their rooms. You know, I've been praying for their souls to pass peacefully on and to protect those that are still battling if they're willing and able. Um, And just a general asking, calling out to all ancestors, you know, open the doors, lay out the feast, just kind of simple prayers that, come to my mind every morning and it's it's helped kind of balance the feeling of fear and worry and anxiety that I've been feeling and gives me a sense of doing right right like you're having some sort of purpose and doing something to help even from your quarantine zone yeah my back porch looking out into a field that they no longer plant because it floods all the time and he yields only about a quarter of the field so he hasn't planted it in probably three years so i i pray to those spirits as well and Mm -hmm. but so sorry for making you guys cry (laughs) how are you guys doing well it's a back to work day for me so back to the you know, I come to the realization that the reason I feel like crap and my back hurts is because I get up at 3.15 in the morning and go to work. Go figure. Weird. I know it. Right? Who would have thought? <laughs> you probably felt pretty good over those two weeks. Not you bad. Know. You know, it was really strange. I had, um, the first week was actually a little bit of a struggle because <laughs> it was the first time in a really long time I haven't been work, work, working, Right. So I'd get up in the morning and I would have to do cleansing and stuff first thing in the morning just to manage my anxiety because the back of my head was screaming that I needed to be doing something to make money and pay for the bills and protect the house. And it took surprisingly long to unprogram that. Just when I got good at it, it was time to go back. (laughs) Right? How it works. (laughs) That, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Sarinth? You've kind of been at the front line for a month now, has it? Or damn near close to it? Four weeks. Yeah, so a month. Yeah. How are you holding up? (sighs) That bad, huh? I'm not doing well. Um, I mean, I'm doing everything that I can to be as, as spiritually clear and clean as I can be, um, I'm going outside as often as I can and working out and, um, my, my dear friends, Amy and Pat brought a, um, a wave master that I can beat the crap out of. So I'm doing Mm -hmm. more effective sword drills because I'm actually Mm -hmm. getting the proprioception necessary to do the training. Right. Um, it makes me feel pretty good because I I know now that not only weren't my, my freehand drills doing really well, my edge alignment is correct, which is half the battle right there. Um, I, I miss touch. I miss my family. I miss uh, I miss being around people. 
like Zoom and Discord have kept me pretty sane. But this, uh, you know, you, so this this is like isolation on a level that a lot of folks aren't experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. And I kind of have to tell myself that because it's like, well, all these other people are handling the isolation okay. Yeah, but they're actually like isolating in place with their kids or their right, family right. members. I'm I'm not. <laughs> I, uh, uh, it's made me more productive in some ways because I can I can sit down and and write. Other ways, I'm just like this is this is really getting to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can only look at it for so long as a sort of isolation ordeal setup. You know, at some point, you just kind of sit back and you stare at the ceiling and wonder you know when is this going to end and Mm -hmm. you're not you're not the only uh healthcare staff that is doing what you're doing you know a lot of a lot of nurses and a lot of doctors and even just receptionist staff are quarantining themselves and in campers like you are or in motels or uh, at family members' homes that are away or whatever, you know, because they have small children or they have um, parents that are older, you know, like the three of us do. Um, and it's just, the the thing that's hardest for me right now is, you know, I don't, I, I can't trust the media. Me personally, I don't, I'm, just speaking for Caitlin Stormbreaker, I'm not speaking for these guys either, but um, I cannot trust the media, so I can't trust that their numbers are accurate. I try to find the most accurate sources that I can, you know, from uh, World Health Organization and the CDC and stuff like that. Right. Um, and then you see the people that have been protesting and the things that they've been saying and how unempathetic it's been and how dispassionate it's been and I sit here and I can't help but think about my sister-in-law who has fought breast cancer twice and won and you know she's immunocompromised she has two Mm -hmm. children one of which she adopted it was my brother's first son she raised him from a child and he is her son you know they already went through this once twice now with her you know if she got it, she's one of the candidates that would die from it. I think about my brother who has a one-year-old just turned one like four days ago and a three-year-old son who has Crohn's disease. He's immunocompromised as well. Mm-hmm. And it scares the daylights out of me because you know we almost lost him as well when we found out he had Crohn's. He was in the hospital for almost two weeks. He lost two and a half feet of his intestines. I think about, you know, my parents that are into their 60s, both reasonably healthy, but it's like, I can't understand how people can't see it. You know, you or I might make it through it, but the ones we love the most, the ones we supposedly care about the most, the ones that are compromised, those are the ones that aren't going to make it through. And I don't want them to have to experience that sort of loss. I, I don't even, I'm struggling to even figure out what to add to that. 
that that's just my little breaking heart over here. I'm sorry. No need to apologize. I mean, I'm I'm at I'm at the stage where because I have diabetes and high blood pressure, I'm in a higher risk category if I catch this crap. Or at least if I start developing symptoms. And that's the thing, is that the testing is so behind, we don't know if who's got what. So mm-hmm. I can't interact with anybody in my house because I could be carrying the damn thing and we don't know. And they won't test us unless we're symptomatic. Right. Um, I can't afford that. I can't afford to pass this on to anybody. I've got people in my house that are immunocompromised. I've got people that are high risk categories. I can't do it. Um, mm-hmm. So the thing that kind of gives me some solace is that by isolating like this, I'm protecting my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I'm doing is in case I do become symptomatic and it goes a really bad way is I'm developing my last will and testament. Um, I think that if anybody has put that shit off, you need to do it now. I know it's not easy to think about. It's not, trust me. But if you have daily dallied around and dicked around and you don't have your last wishes together, now is the time because holy crap, you know, um, with the understanding that COVID-19 will prevent most, if not every single kind of funerary service besides possibly a cremation. Uh, inhumation at this point is too damn dangerous for the people that be handling your body. Um, yeah, I know these aren't pleasant topics to think about, but this is what's on my mind as a former funeral assistant. Mm-hmm. And as somebody that's in the thick of this is, okay, so if I if I catch this and die, what's going to happen with my stuff? Who's going to go to? How's it going to play out? What rights do I want? Yada, yada. And I don't want to over-focus on it too much because I know a lot of people are, are, are handling this as best they can. Um, but it is something to, to really consider how you want the, I think this is one of the, the big things about this virus is that it's really, it's thrown into relief. What kind of life do you want to lead? What are you leaving behind? Um, you know, there's a, a, a great Lincoln Park song that comes to mind. Um, I think it's called Reasons to be Missed. Hmm. And I think, you're right, yeah. I think it's off their fifth album. I, I can't remember. They've, they've produced a ton of content and they are probably my favorite band. Um, songs for every mood. Love them. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but the refrain still sticks with me, you know? So when I'm gone, forget the wrong that I've done. Help me leave behind some reasons to be missed. And don't forget me. And when you're feeling empty, keep me in your memory and leave out all the rest. Um, And so a lot of my, my walking forward from here is what is the best way that I can walk forward? What's the best gift that I can give to my communities and to my children? How do I live that every day as though I mean, when people, people will say, you oh, live every day like it's your last. And now that death is more or less knocking on my door when I go to work, it throws that into a different relief. It's not just some pat statement. How do I live as though today is my last day? That's a, you know, that throws every 
thing that you've been taught in this society is important into a very sharp relief. What is the dross that holds you back from doing what you want to do and how do you address it best? For me, the thing that's holding me back from doing a lot of the things I want to do is debt and having to go to work and not going to work. Isn't a, a, a thing I can do at this point. So what do I do with the debt? Well, that's where the stimulus check went. Um, battening down as much of that crap as possible. So the future generations don't have to deal with it. You know, when you think of that in a larger context, you know, this is why I'm so let's get on the land. Let's do stuff with it. I am envious of, as hell of your family that you can raise chickens, Jim. <laughs> and I love seeing, I love seeing your flock on your Instagram. So I'm really happy to see them. Yeah. The, the younger ones will be joining the older ones pretty soon. They're growing fast. Mm, yes, they do. So the minimalistic conversation is a very interesting one and actually kind of ties into one of the questions that we had on discord. Um, and this is from, I actually, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say their name or not, but so I'll leave Just that out. First name only. Uh, Victoria asked, uh, can you give advice for working without tools or on a minimal budget or with a minimalist type lifestyle? Like, uh, I'm assuming that they're talking about doing magic or saying prayers or holding ceremony um, or ritual. Um, what are some things? Because I know, like, with Michigan Pagan Festival and a few other um, conventions that are held they do the oh gosh what is it called i participated in it last year with uh magic with ordinary everyday items or whatever oh you're right. talking iron ritualist yeah that yeah um yeah that's a cool yeah yeah i mean like it, the if you look back at like kitchen witchery as an example, people used what they were using around the house already. You didn't have a special ritual knife. You had the good knife from the kitchen and and so forth and so on. I try to basically, you know, you guys have seen me at Pagan Fest and stuff. I can probably get most of my most important stuff into a tote. Everything else is kind of bonus. Mm. So, you know, if you can get it down into a tote, then, then the outside of your tote, that, that's your altar. <laughs> Set up your yeah. altar, take your altar down. Yeah. Actually, when I um, when I first moved into my house in Coldwater all those years ago and started the spiritual practice, it was literally kept on a box and I could take everything off of the box and tuck it into the box and close it up and it looked like an ordinary cardboard box. And it was like that for several months until I slowly started collecting items either by finding them or buying them from Goodwill because I was poor then. I, obviously I was a homeowner that was single. Mm -hmm. So all of my money went to bills. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just finding the things that resonate with you. And that took several years of collecting throughout my journey down this path and it wasn't I most of it I didn't buy in a spiritual shop most of it I either found in the forest because I'm a raccoon like that <laughs> or as old jars from uh, spaghetti sauce or I think I have a jar from pickles 
you know, it's just a matter of reusing what you have. Well, I mean, I've always made the joke for years. and You guys have laughed, but I know you agree with me. I always say I'm a shaman. I got a stick. I got a rock. I got a ritual. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yep. really, you can get it down to just some real basics. And actually thinking of sticks and rocks, you know, it depends on what kind of living environment that you're in. It doesn't have to be a full altar or anything. You could take rocks and this rock represents this and this one represents that. And you got a, if you've got a window box, if you've got a small little garden space or a, a flower bed. You, yeah, there you go. Yeah, done. Something easy, I, easy. yeah, something I, I refer back to a lot when people ask me, well, you know, what do I need for ritual? It's like, okay, look, when I first started being a pagan when i was a pagan back in 04 the first and only thing i had was um a bunch of salt crystals in a vial about oh an inch long like (laughs) so Mm -hmm. when when you're talking about bare minimum i mean yep you know get creative the sky's really the limit because if you need if you need to have like hush hush nobody needs can know about this you know, you don't even need ritual tools to be really, really honest about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really trying to think about it. The, I mean, if I were to get it down to like one or two things that were my had to have items, they would probably be some sort of way to make fire and a rattle. If I had those two things, I could probably do almost mm-hmm. everything else that I can think of. Yeah, give me a steel knife and we're pretty much good to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a, a coffee mug, even if you only have one coffee mug out of your entire household, it, that's what you drink your morning coffee out of, but that's also what you leave your offerings in for your ancestors. You yeah. Know, it's, it's a matter of how you go about the process and not the pretties that you have with you. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The, the pretties are useful. Like, I'm not going to dog on pretties because, um, yeah, but. (laughs) (laughs) They do um, have their aesthetic qualities. I will give you that. I think they're only as necessary as your practice requires. And I think that's really like the, (laughs) the thing I try to get across to folks when they're first starting out is, you know, what do I need? You need a cup, a candle, cloth. Everything else is collect as you feel you need it well and if you're trying to pare down you know we're all i think many of us anyway are animists so marie Kondo, that thing sit down with every object and say do i really need you for going forward or can i pass you on to somebody else that might be able to use you Mm -hmm. and while you're doing that you know, do that with all of your items. And if you're going through your kitchen items saying, does this bring me joy? Do I need this for my kitchen? No. Could I use it for my spiritual practice? Because I mean, who's to say that a wooden spoon can't be an athame or a thiam? I don't know how to say that word. The knife. You had, you had it right the first it. time. Athame. Athame okay. yep. I, guys, I, I'm a Paco. I, I don't do that whole witchcraft thing. <laughs> I, I don't understand how it works. Um, and who's to say it can't be a wand, you know, Saren's over there dying. <laughs> well, like, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to take that as a, as a jump wooden off point. Wooden spoon of doom. <laughs> so the wooden spoon thing was actually a thing in, in magic work with brewing. 
Like mm -hmm. they thought that there, so there was this, this magic spoon with that would have runes on it or would have something, you know, some kind of decoration on it, and they assumed mm -hmm. the spoon was magical. Because well, it, it made, is. It made the mead because it had the yeast in the wood. Bingo. Yep. And they they passed this down, mm -hmm. and I cannot recall what the hell it was called now because damn it, brain. Um, but when I find it, I'll I'll share it with the Discord. That's um, kind of a cool idea too. You, you 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 talking about the spoon makes me think that maybe uh, you know just a a good altar that could be tucked around the kitchen is just a really nice wooden cutting board. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could dedicate your cutting board to all the meals that you make to not only thank the earth spirits that gave you the meal, but also the ancestors that gave you the knowledge and the the ability to create that meal. What a fabulous sacred space for gods of the hearth. Yeah, no kidding. Right? A literal mobile altar. Picturing a very beautiful, like a, a nice deep wood uh, cutting board, maybe one with a handle on it and just inscribed with runes all around it. Mm-hmm. Or yes. even on the, on the bottom so you don't run into bacterial issues with it getting stuck in the... Yeah, I wasn't even thinking... You, I mean, like with a cutting board, you could dual purpose it or you could not. I'm just thinking the yeah. advantage of a cutting board is a lot of kitchens have a slot or a space for, mm -hmm. for storage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My kitchen's not that fancy. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile my kitchen there's probably a cutting board up there from you know 50 60 years ago if i went and looked. <laughs> oh, i love your old house it's so wonderful <laughs> i love old farmhouses they're they're beautiful creatures so i guess we can go on to uh malik's question mm -hmm. um the tools of the trade question. Tools of the trade. What are they? Where did they come from? Did you make them? Receive them? Are they necessary? If so, what's necessary? What's not? Basically, what are the essentials? So, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> we're, all, we're all staring at you, sir. I know. Uh, so, are, are runes required for my practice? Yes. Do they have to be made out of one particular material or another? No. Um, I prize my iron runes because of the connection that I carry through that medium mm -hmm. and the relationships that are expressed through that medium and where the iron came from and all that wonderful stuff. So, um, you know, for, I think that the question is, um, it's interesting because that the answer changes based on what trade you're talking about. If you're talking about a Paco versus a Northern tradition shaman, there are different tools and different requirements because there's different paths. Mm -hmm. If you're talking in within heathenry, the tool set of a Sathe worker versus a Spaycona or a Spay Mother. Um, so a Sathe Kona or a Sathe Mother might have a different tool set from a Spaycona or Spay Mother, might have a different tool set from a Runar Mall, might have a different set from a, a generalist spirit worker. It really depends on the particulars of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, for me, the most essential tools of my trade are my um, devotional imagery or statuary, um, 
my runes and my offering vessels. Like if I had to, if I had to pare down to the absolute smallest thing that I needed, um, I can fit most of this stuff in a tin. Actually, I'm going to grab it because I have it right here. Oh yeah, your little tin. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So, so <clears throat> let me see if I can show you guys. Let me kick the light on here. So this is a wallet tin from Kohl's and I fit my ancestor representations, prayer cards, and I can also put, I, I have shoved one of these full of all the representations here, plus herbs and a small offering vessel. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen people who've made that out of Altoid tins. So really the sky's the limit. What matters is, do you have some basic representations? Do you have a, a representation? It can be a prayer card. It can be a small statue because I have one. Can I, can I lift you? Okay. Thank you. Okay, fine. So I can't use fire inside this trailer. I have an LED candle. Hey. Um, I picked these guys up at the Nordic Fire Festival. Mm-hmm. And they were about 10 bucks and nicely crafted. They work. And I can stick them in any pouch pocket or this tin. Um, mobility is a really big issue with me because of the, the places that I am often called to go to. So if I have to go to some client's house and do a reading, I need to be able to pick everything up, put it in a bag and go. Or have a bag pre-made where I don't have to put anything in it and just get, get up and go. Um, so the absolute bare minimum requirements are statuary or representations, runes of some kind, and offering vessel. And it, the offering vessel can be as big or as small as need be. I use coffee cups all the dang time uh, as offering vessels. Um, sometimes I sit down and I have a drink with the gods, ancestors, and Vater when I start my day or when I finish it. Um, need is a really strong word because a lot of the accoutrement we get during this journey is stuff that makes our job easier. It's not necessarily what we need. It's what makes the job easier to do. Right. They, it's for me, the tools almost open up a channel or a, a direction for it, more of like a, a focus. Like if you're talking in D and D terms, terms, you know, you, the wizard has his focus with the crystal, so he doesn't have to use certain spell components and stuff like that. But um, for me, it, unless you had more, you wanted to add Sarenth. Um For me, most of my tools were either collected from the wild after giving um, uh, offerings and prayers and breath and cleaning up the area. Cleaning up the area is one of my biggest offerings that I give any spirit of any wild place just because it's necessary and it helps them grow. Um, Some of it has been given to me. Some of my tools have been made by me. Um, But if it came down to the bare necessities and now i have that song stuck in my head um it would legitimately be (laughs) my mesa that i carry around and i um for anybody who's either interacted with me or jim you'll know what i'm talking about that my mesa is um in spanish mesa translates into table but in uh 
the original language that my tradition comes from is actually called Quechua. And in Quechua, it loosely translates into altar or sacred space or movable altar. Um, and within it, I have different um, stones and different idols that aren't necessarily um, the uh, two-inch statues that Sarenth had of his deities, but they're, they're symbols, they're symbolic of the deities that I work with. Or like I have a piece of wolf fur in there for my wolf pelt because he wanted to be in there. Um, but I'm and I'll be the first one to tell you that at the beginning of my practice, I collected all of the things. I had all the crystals. I had all of the sticks. I had all of the rattles. The drums. Twist all of them. I had to have all of them because I never knew. I was like, I don't know. Maybe I need this. And slowly yet surely, they just started leaving my life and went off to whoever they needed to go. And I realized I'm just a carrier of tools. Because for me, it's unnecessary for me to have all of this stuff. Um, and that, for me, makes my magic more potent. It makes it stronger because I have a deeper connection with it because I'm a very visual person when it comes to um, mm -hmm. journeying and stuff like that. So um, having all these big fancy tools, I tend to get very overwhelmed. I actually have, um, that was given to me years and years ago, a rattle from a piece of wood with a turtle shell as the rattle. And it was made by a friend of mine and he gave it to me. And it's just, all it is is a turtle shell filled with, um, I think either raw corn or little stones and it is just like wrapped over and over and over and over and over again to the stick. And he just found it on the side of the road, cleaned it up, stuffed some rocks in it and said, here's a rattle. And I was like, cool, thanks. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so how about you, Jim? <laughs> I'm really kind of, I'm, I'm really trying to, I mean, I'm, I'm back to the statement before of what, what do I actually need? And that's kind of a weird question. You know what I mean? Like the standard ones I use are, are, are probably my Mesa. But then again, a lot of times, even if I go off to do a cleansing or something that might stay home, my feather fan might go or it might stay home. It might, I have a really, I'm having a really hard time pegging what my core essential items are. Um, you know, Would I, it, I, I'm going to have to default to the rattle at one point because I already said it once <laughs> and, and people have said that they can tell the way I shake a rattle. They can hear my rattling from across the entire uh, <laughs> festival. So, uh, Look, I have heard your rattle and then I've heard like six others show up and I'm like, he's the only one with the rattle. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... That's a that's a tough one. I I'm wondering too. Uh, looking, I'm rereading the the question again. And and Malik, you're in the text chat. So if you want to throw a clarification in the text, that'd be great. Um, I'm I'm wondering. I think Malik might be asking about what some of our tools are and where they came from. Maybe not necessarily what our most important ones were, but where they came from. Did we make them? Were they given to us? That sort of thing. I think that was part of the question as well. Mm -hmm. So Tammy asked in the chat about the hat. Now that's the funny part is that I had to give mine away. 
<laughs> this is a thing that happens to me every now and again where either Odin takes my hat or I give it to somebody. My poor, poor apprentice got the hat this time. <laughs> Gods help him. Um, you know, so head covering for me is actually a really huge thing when I'm in ritual mindset. Um, so to me, like... It, like I've got a leather hat in my coat that just folds up and it makes me look like the Gordon's fisherman leather daddy. Um, <laughs> and uh, it works because I've yeah. done the same kinds of enchantments as the other hats that I've worked with on it. Um, and, and so I'm glad that Malik kind of clarified in the chat um, what, what do you use often and what did you come to that tool with? Um, Mother Multiverse added a clarifying couple of questions I think are really important too. How often do you find yourself just winging it without tools and what skills need to be shored up to pull that off? When should one absolutely not go tool free? So who wants to, who wants to jump on that? I'll, I'll start because I had a, a thought while Jim was talking. The first thing that I'm going to say is that you yourself, your physical body, your emotional body, your spiritual body, every essence about you and your practice is your first and foremost, most important tool you will ever use within this craft. So you have to make sure you're practicing grounding and centering and cleansing and making sure all that stuff is up to par. Um, making sure that you have a daily a routine, whether it's big or small, depending on your energetic levels, um, or having a few different options for the day, um, but focusing on your physical body itself and your spiritual body um, is the number one tool you should be looking after and caring for. With that said, um, I'm going to go with Malik's question first and then swing around to Mother Multiverses. What do you use often and how did you come to that tool? Um, honestly, the tool that I use the most would probably be my yoga mat. Mm -hmm. And how I came to that was I bought it off of Amazon, <laughs> which is true. Mm -hmm. um, but how I came to the mat was through, it was actually complete and total chance. I had no interest in doing yoga. My sister-in-law had been asking me to join the yoga class in cold water for almost six months at that point um, until I had a very dear friend come to me who had um, been an alcoholic for most of his life. And the doctors basically said, either you quit drinking now and get healthy or you're going to be dead in three weeks or less. Your choice. And so he was asking for support and getting healthy and he wanted to go to a yoga class. So I said, yeah, sure. I'll check it out. See what happens. Well, you guys are looking at the finished product. Um, but that's mm -hmm. how I got to that tool was through another individual because they needed help. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm going to actually do Mother Multiverse's question first, which was how often do you find yourself winging it without tools? Now, for me, Mother Multiverse, honestly, you could just take the three words without it without tools. How often do you find yourself winging it? <laughs> I, like every <laughs> single fucking 
time. <laughs> like, Every day. It is my life. <laughs> right. I don't write prayers down. I just say them. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. And like, so there are certain obviously rituals that, um, have come to us in a prescribed manner and that's what initiations are but i mean by and large most of the time it's like uh i don't know look up at the sky look down at the ground you guys tell me what i'm doing i'm just here <laughs> i'm just the guy that carries the rocks around remember yeah you're the one that tells me that rock needs to go over there but i can't know why mm-hmm. yeah i mm-hmm. actually I will agree with that because when I am saying my prayers, one of the things that I ask for right off of the bat is give me the words I need to say. I don't prepare it ahead of time. I don't, even like when I do ritual and stuff, I have an entire cabinet of herbs. And by entire cabinet, I mean like three cabinets worth of herbs. (laughs) And usually it boils down to a stick of incense, a white candle, and meditation slash altered mindset and very deep prayer work and that's just me winging it well even in the even in the concept of tools i mean like i think i've told the story before but there was one time when i was doing a cleansing and uh we were in the basement of the owl and spirit says go over there to the coffee machine uh okay go over there see those packages of sugar yeah Take those and, and and rip them open and pour the sugar in your hand. Okay. And now throw it at the person's feet. Uh, all right. And so tool even becomes, I was literally sweetening their path. I was making their life easier by sweetening the path. So, so basically you in that moment were the tool being utilized. Yeah. So like, you know, that's actually probably the best way of phrasing it too, is that I don't know if I need tools as much as I am the tool. I'm a tool. (laughs) I'm a tool. (laughs) I'm a tool. What a square. (laughs) And we broke Sarah. But that, that brings me back to what I was saying earlier is that you yourself are the first, <laughs> foremost, most important tool you have. Yep. <laughs> you know. um, but yeah, as far as is the actual things that I use, the, I guess I'll address that a little specifically. The, the mesa, the stones and items in it are things that usually I've either acquired or were given to me. But each one of those stones is something that I've worked very hard to make and they're all connected to me and also to something else, be it an ancestor, a large spirit of a place or an object. Um, My rattle and my drum and my tarot cards were given to me by my wife who tends to give me some of the best gifts. Oh, and my chuspa, my my, uh, pouch for the coca leaves. And I'm trying to think what else I've got there. Uh, Your hat. Hat, uh, that was a that was a Target special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The very important mystical Target hat. Um, let me think. Think if there's anything else that really jumps out. You have a condor feather. I do. Yeah, Mateo gave that to me, and likewise, I think she gave me the abalone shell that I use. The feather fan I use for most cleansings came from a raffle at Six Crows. And uh, I think that's all the stuff I use the most frequently. 
Now, Sarah, tell the story of where you got your runes from. Hmm. I think that's an important one. Well, those were gifted to me. Um, I'd been, I'd been, uh, there was a, a rune set that came in from our, our good friend, Pat, who was a fabulous, fabulous blacksmith. And, uh, the runes themselves, the metal that they came from, they're made out of iron. And the metal came from a fort in New York. Well, let's back the train out because it's actually, it's a cemetery <laughs> now. It used to be a colonial fort. And then before then it was a native fort. And it could have been on a, a burial ground previous to that. So this thing came out of the ground in a place that has a very long and storied history. And over the course of, I believe it was several months, he did very specific rituals where he only forged by, I believe, the full moon. And it was this very long and involved series of rituals where he uh, flattened out the iron and then cut the runes. And yeah, I mean the work he put into it. And then he only charged like 50 bucks and I'm like, you're out of your fucking mind. Um, <laughs> I, Sounds you know, like Pat though. It, it's Pat. Um, I love him dearly, but he is, he's, he needs to charge more for his work. Um, <laughs> so these runes came to me through um, Wolf Dancer who gifted them to me because he saw them in the window. So we need to get him that. And I believe it was him, and I want to say it was one other person that, um, God's blessed, I'm a terrible friend. Uh, it was two people who gifted me the runes. I think it might have been Nick. I can't recall. But him him and somebody else threw together money and bought them. And they handed it to me. And I about, I came up, I cried. Like, because these, these runes are masterfully made. And I'm actually kind of happy that he, the uh, runes that I got were not sealed in beeswax because there's something to the, the patina of iron with mm -hmm. the rusting that comes away with my blood. Um, part of my initiation ritual into the runes was these were the runes that I ended up blooding. The, the first runes I ended up blooding. Um, and I, I used the ritual from Galina Kraskova's living runes uh, or uh I can't remember the old, I think it was Futhark Theory and Practice was the old version of this book. And uh, highly recommend it. I've met those runes. You were either going to bloody them yourself or they were going to take it. There was not a lot of, <laughs> yeah. he would have cut a finger open during a reading and they would have said, well, it's about damn time. Yep. Mm -hmm. We're not asking, we're telling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the fact that I got those as a gift, um, you know, was really huge. And though that gift has kept on giving, these are the runes that I go to for every reading that I do where somebody's like, hey, I need an answer to this and it's really important. Um, yeah. That reminds me, thinking of gifts too. I, I don't know why this jumped into my mind, but I want to mention that, Caitlin, you and I both have uh, pieces of meteorite that were given to us by a friend, Marco. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. It was a, a just a little sliver in a little glass jar but it's really uh, they had the name of the meteorite and where it hit and everything else mm -hmm. and uh, let me see Kelly got me a stone from Machu Picchu 
Yeah, wow. you guys have given me stones from Lake Michigan, and Tim, I got your, I've got yours. See, now I'm doing it. I'm gonna have to have my own sign. Uh, <laughs> I got the stone from Porcupine Mountains and the mountain in Michigan, and so yeah, a lot of and, gifts. And you've given me, um, and this is this is like one of one of my treasured gifts from you, is you gave me one of the glass insulator caps from your grandmother. Oh yeah, yep. And that's on my that's been on my ancestor altar ever since. Oh really? That's so cool. And that's so, so cool. Like, and to, you know, you're my brother. So like whenever anybody gives me some kind of item like that, either I put it the item either goes on my ancestor altar or I keep it in my wallet. This is a little fucking big for my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> I love those glass insulators. We got a lot of them around the farmhouse here because like my whole family was addicted mm-hmm. to old glass, so yeah, my, my grandfather, oh, God's help us, when he passes, everybody's going to get at least one. Because he <laughs> collects he collects those. He literally will go out to a antique shows and, and buy a big damn box of them. Mm-hmm. And every every color, every shape, you could even imagine these glass insulator caps. I love those things. They're awesome. They really are. One of the uh, mother multiverse, like this one, for the longest time, my most powerful ceremonial object that I would use, especially when I needed some extra oomph, was a light bulb from one of those big outside fixtures that had been hit by lightning and basically blew up. And so I had the bulb element, and that was actually a strong magical tool for a really long time. Makes total sense to me. I mean, this is why slivers of lightning struck oak were important. Mm-hmm. You know, Thor has blessed this tree. It hasn't <laughs> survived, but damn it, he blessed it. <laughs> Bless it. I actually have a piece of lightning struck tree, and you'll guess right where it's at. It's, yes, that's right. It's my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> Blessed, blast. They sound the same. Yeah, Thanks, Mother Multiverse. <laughs> I misinterpreted what she meant. <laughs> I think my most powerful magical item would have to be my warbird staff. Um, and I know you guys have met that staff before. Um, its story is actually kind of interesting because uh, where I grew up was a private road. And so everybody knew everybody. And there was this older gentleman down the road that we used to call uh, the governor because he knew everything that went on on the beach and he had to be in everybody's business. <laughs> and it wasn't obnoxious or anything he was very good at weaseling information out of people so if you wanted to know the the beach (laughs) gossip you went and talked to him um well down the road the family that raises the budweiser clydesdales actually has a house down the road from us and they built this huge god-awful fucking gaudy mansion of course because why not um, but the governor actually became very good friends with the, these people. They were, they were actually very great, nice people. They were just very, very rich and like to show it off. But um, he bought the staff for the governor because he thought he needed a staff to hold his position on the beach. And so the governor passed away, I think about four, 
four years ago, mm-hmm. four and a half, something like that. Um, and at this time, I had been kind of wavering between different staffs for a long time. I had swapped between ones that I had found, ones that I had made, ones that I had bought, and it just never felt right. But I, I had this overwhelming urge of, I need a staff. I need a staff, and I cannot find it. And so I gave it up. I gave it back to my ancestors. I said, that's fine. If I meant to have one, it will come to me. And I let it go. And a few you months. figured out. Yeah. Yeah. This is, you know, I can't find it. So you bring it to me, which is actually what I do with everything that I know that I need, but cannot find. So I just hand it to my ancestors and it's like, I, you guys will figure it out. You've done this before. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but my mom called me out of the blue one day and she goes, so I have a weird question for you. And I was like, yeah, what is it? She goes, well, the governor's wife asked me if you would be interested in one of his walking sticks. And I, mind you, I had never seen this stick before in my life. I I didn't even know it existed. And so I was like, absolutely, yes, I'll take it. I will come down this weekend to pick it up. And she's like, well, that's not necessary. I'm like, I will be down there this weekend to pick it up. (laughs) And that's where she came from. And it's um, a representation of not only Kundor, but also the Thunderbirds, because it was bought at a powwow. And I can't remember exactly where, um, because Barbara told me where, but I I can't remember. Um, So it was basically a gift of a gift to me so it had already been gifted it gifted to me twice um or I was the second one that it was gifted to or something like that but the power that is in that staff is overwhelming at times and I feel like at times it protects me and puts me in like a nice little bubble it's like I had it with Mm -hmm. me at the Michigan Nordic Fire Festival And of course I was in my regalia all weekend and people almost like walked through me because I either didn't realize I was there or they just didn't see me until it was the last minute and they were like, oh God, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, cool, it's fine. Which if you've ever seen Caitlin's garb is a hell of a thing because it's like upper class Viking women wear like with the beads necklace and the whole nine so oh, yeah I, like, I stick out like a sore <laughs> yeah that staff i've held that staff that's powerful i think if 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 i had a fire and i had to pick one item out of any to bring with me um and i'm kind of cheating because my runes generally speaking stay in the car um uh, <laughs> it would probably be it would probably be the wolf pelt oh yeah yeah like out of any item, you know, I can replace the Odin statue. I can replace the Frigga statue. I can't replace that wolf pelt. Mm-hmm. Um, it is probably my most precious item because of what it means to me and what it connects me with and what I am to it. And it's to me. Mm-hmm. I actually just recently opened my wolf pelt up. Ooh. Yeah. And I sat with it over my shoulders for until I was literally dripping with sweat and it was <laughs> that was a good bonding moment speaking of wolf pelt I don't know about the rest of you but I, I started taking to howling around this time every night um, and it has been a really powerful connective thing for me 
Mm-hmm. Um, knowing, can... sorry, go ahead. Knowing that you you can connect with other people and to the wolf spirit itself, and myself, and all the other factors in there. You know, when when people say, "Well, what's your most essential tool?" and you say, "You know, yourself," well, it makes a lot of sense, especially when you're using the breath and sound and song to connect. So yeah, I uh, yes, pack Malik. Yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely that feeling of pack. So I'm gonna mute myself real quick, and I'm actually going to do that. I feel like I'm the, like the lone cat in this room full of dogs. This is <laughs> oh. Wonder how I feel. I'm like half cat, half dog. Fox. Yeah, I could do with fox. I do have a fox pelt that I often switch out for my coyote pelt. My fox <laughs> pelt doesn't really leave the house much. That's kind of one of my more private pelts, I guess. That the, actually the story that I how I acquired that one is kind of amusing too. We were up in Copper Harbor, and I found it at a mini putt putt <laughs> place, and I was like, oh. Yes, you're coming home with me. Thank you. Have you watched any uh, videos on a fox at all? There's a, a favorite series of mine on YouTube. It's a lady that does fox rescue, and, and uh, they're just adorable. I they, love them, but it is. It is like the gods took a wolf and a cat, or a, a dog and a cat, and just kind of like, mash them together. <laughs> this is what we got. It's a truth. Fox. We have a fox, yeah. Actually, I've, I've felt a kinship to the Fox for a very, very long time. And I was in the UP for like the first or second time in my adult life years and years ago. And we were, I think we we're outside of Tequamanon State Park. Mm. Um, but there was a Fox that had a rabbit in his mouth and I realized he was missing one of his front legs. And I was like, holy crap, you go, dude. That's amazing. Not only, like, how adaptable you are, but also adaptable in one of the hardest environments for you right now because you're not only missing a leg, but you also have a ton of other predator-type animals that you have to contend with to try to get a meal. And that was very clever. Good job. So I'm kind of, I'm feeling the, the idea of where our magical tools came from. And I, and I actually have a question for both of you guys, because I'd, I'd be interested in comparing notes mm-hmm. to a certain degree. What was your earliest memory of something really magical happening that you would probably connect to your path and where you're on it now? Ooh. Hmm. I honestly, I would have to say I was very, very young. And this is actually a memory that I go back to um, when I'm feeling very depressed or anxious. Um, And it was, I was standing at the end of our dock. And at the time we had a wooden dock that was painted red and I was watching the sunrise over the lake and I saw her, I saw the spirit of the lake. And from that moment, I had a very deep, profound connection to her, even though I became ignorant of that connection as I grew older, but then returned to it when I got back onto the path. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And that has influenced me greatly in the fact that a lot of times I, I actually use water, not only from her source, but also from my own source where I pray over it and I get it to be nice, clean, holy water. And I use it for cleansings or I use it to drink or um, even just like a regular glass of water. I will swirl in a particular direction and just get it invigorated and then I'll drink it, you know, with the intent of it's cleansing me or it's adding energy to my body. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that has dictated a very strong relationship for me on this path. What about you, Sarinth? Um, I'm going to kind of answer it in, I think, two or three parts. So I've always felt kinship with the wolf. And that, for me, has been the entry level for a lot of the gods and spirits I hold relationships with throughout my life. Um, it's in part why St. Francis de Assisi was the saint that I was confirmed under. Mm. Um, one of my earliest experiences with anything magical or spiritual happening is I was reading this book. I'm, I've always been a very precocious reader, reading like three or four levels above my age. So I'm mm -hmm. sitting there, I'm five years old, and I'm reading a pretty detailed book on shamanism and Native American spirituality. They mashed all these different uh, references together into a single book. It was like that thick. And as I read, I felt this pull and I kept coming back to that word, shaman, again and again and again. And medicine person was referenced in the book. I didn't feel right. And it was the only thing that I could feel that was something that was correct. It was something that was calling to me. And it wasn't just in the book. It was something I felt this deep soul compulsion to. Mm -hmm. And it was like the... You know, looking back on it, it was like the gods had put this book in my lap to kind of give me a huge friggin' clue by four at five years old to kind mm -hmm. of orient me. So a couple of days later, I'm in fifth grade, and this poor woman is asking us what we want to be when we grow up. And I look up at her and I go, shaman, because <laughs> we're supposed to pick our careers, right? Mm -hmm. She stops a minute, looks at me, gets her eyes to stop being wide for a minute and goes, well, it's not quite what I meant. I, I'm not sure that you can do that as a career. Um, I said, okay, well, fine. I guess I can be a police officer. <laughs> um, uh, the earliest thing where I encountered spirits and magic and that kind of thing that I, that really kind of sticks out in my mind was um, was that, but also just the the so there's these large woods, almost a forest behind our trailer park, oh, yeah. where we'd go and we'd wander, and it was like that whole place felt so alive, and it's not just alive in the sense of yep, these are live this is living grass and these are living trees. The whole place felt alive, and I had to you know my my friends and I had developed a really deep relationship with those woods and um, it was where we went to play it was where we went to hide from from bullies it's where we went to 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 talk and share our most innermost secrets you know when you talk about um, finding that most sacred place to you near you that's what I think of from the first 
probably 12 years of my life until they bulldozed the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. It ripped my heart out when I found out they were bulldozing it. Um, because here I, you know, I didn't have the words for it or, or the mindset. I mean, I, I was very much a Catholic kind of animist. Um, but it was just like an old friend had been murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, like it, it wasn't necessarily one thing or another. It was that growing up with the woods that was so important and just the, the living spirits that were all around me all the time. What about you, Jim? You know, it's funny. I had a thought when I, I brought up the question, but just listening to you guys, it made me, there's probably been a couple different spots that are influential, but I'm going to go ahead and count this one as my, probably my first real and true initiation in the sense that it was a near death experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say I'm, I'm about seven and my, my grandpa Wesolowski had passed away and it was a huge traumatic thing for us because, you know, he was, he was, you know, basically the, the sunshine of the world to me to a large degree. He, um, was the one that brought the family out from Chicago and settled in the area that they did. And uh, the dry cleaners that he ran was the source of income for the entire family. And even my experience with cattle was uh, because he had the little farm. And the little farm was, um, it was, it was a big field by a lake and the, the, we were on the, what, east side of the lake. And so they had built, my grandparents, a big, huge brick house. And that's where, where they lived. And then when my, my mother and my father got married at the other end of the field, they gave them that corner to, to build the house. And that's the house I grew up on. So we were just, I was just across the field from my grandparents' house, which is really nice. We just walked back and forth, you know, on like a little house on the prairie here. But um, like I'd get home from school at, at my, my grandmother's house and, and she would give me, you know, a snack and then I'd walk across the field to go home. That's just, you know, how, how stuff worked. And so the the summer after my grandfather passed, and I do believe it was the same summer. I don't think there was a year difference. I do believe it was the same summer. So like I said, I would have been around seven or so. Because um, my great uncle, my grandmother's brother, was out visiting from Chicago after my grandfather passed. That's why I think it's the same year. Um huge storm came out of the west just huge and they still don't the records don't show it as a tornado but my grandparents house just across that little field it was a brick house the window sills were the double pane windows and the window sills were solid pieces of of like concrete it was formed concrete mm-hmm the winds coming off of the lake from that storm were so strong that they blew in one of those walls. Wow. Okay. 
So at the time when this storm rolled in, my mother wasn't there. She was at work. I don't remember where the rest of the family was. I was home alone. And the house that we lived in on the other side of that little tiny field was a modular home. And I remember pulling the couch away from the wall and crawling behind the couch. But I had this huge conversation with the storm asking it to miss the house. Mm -hmm. And it rattled and it bucked the whole house. And it seriously, I don't know how that house, that little modular house stood up to it. I really don't force a wind that pushes in a brick house, you know, like something out of the three little pigs and, and I'm behind, you know, modular house, it's like cardboard and straw, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I remember distinctly having the conversation with the storm and it, it passed overhead. And so for years after that, I had really good relationship with storms. I could, um, I had, you know, I could ask storms to show me lightning in certain patterns and they would and, and stuff like that. So yeah, that was, that was, that's the one that jumps to mind anyway. That's a good story. That's amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. So. I've seen you in storms. I would say that you still have the knack. <laughs> Secret origins, Mother Wilthor says. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure where that question came from. I was just kind of curious what you guys had both experienced and how comparable it was what we were experiencing. So definitely there. I really like how we all came to it from different angles, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just how beauty is found in all these different diverse experiences. Mm-hmm. I could, I could feel the power and the, There's, there's something raw and untapped with that first experience that kind of filters through the storytelling. And I really, really appreciate you both being willing to share that. I really appreciate the question because asking about our earliest memory makes it to where it's almost unbiased you know and it kind of reminds you of that childlike wonder that you had when you were so that so young you know you treated everything as though it were a friend um yeah yeah yep you knew what you knew what the favorite tree in your yard was and which one you would sit under when you were sad versus which one you wanted to climb when you were happy and and you know uh, as a, as a kid even like what stone got hit by the sun the best on certain days. And, you know, you mm-hmm. have, as a kid, you have this instinctive knowledge of it that is just there. Yeah, you just know, and there's no question to it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, the. so I feel like I need to share this because the, the woods kind of saved my life. Mm-hmm. Um, the bully that I had for most of my life um, encountered us in the woods one day and he had a crossbow with him 
and he shot it at us. Like I heard this whizzing by my head and it hit the tree behind us. And it was like this, okay, it's time to go. Um, my friend Sean and I bolted for home and we were pretty deep in the woods. And so this guy's yelling at us as he's cocking the bone, yelling at us to get out of here and da, 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 da. Well, he's, he's slowed down cause he was in heavy brush and heavy trees. And, uh, you know, he's starting to aim again and I fall because I'm trying to get my friend Sean out of there. I'm shoving him toward the, the embankment mm-hmm. to get over it and get out. Mm-hmm. I trip and, you know, he's got these trees all around him. His shot is pretty spoiled, but uh, if my friend Sean hadn't grabbed my hand right then, I would have had a crossbow bolt through my leg. He pulled me up to my feet and where my leg had been, there was a crossbow bolt that stuck in the ground. And uh, we, we tore us out of there, but I will be very forever thankful to those trees for spoiling that guy's aim because he was, he was out for blood. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when people ask, well, what's the practical benefit of having a relationship with the land spirits? There you go. <laughs> right. One of the, the things that I've noticed throughout my whole life is a general sense of kindness and compassion expressed towards a being or even person mm-hmm. grant you a modicum of safety they'll remember that no matter how kind that other person was you know um you mentioned earlier you know that favorite tree that was in your front yard um we had this giant giant maple tree that had really low hanging branches um in our front yard next to our driveway and I remember as a little girl going out there and just sitting underneath the tree and finding all the beautiful stones that I could find. And I would set them up around the, the barrier and I would even like color code them because some of them were red, some were white, some were blue, some were, you know. Um, but we had to cut that tree down because mm. they were putting in, we went from having a... a a septic tank to actually having a sewer system because we lived on the lake and they figured out, Hey, it's probably not a good idea to dump our waste in the water. So yeah, let's stop doing that. Um, This was back in the late 80s. I'll be right back. I have to go do my sunset offerings. I'll be right back. I understood. You're good. Um, But they cut that tree down and I remember crying and crying and crying so hard over it. And I still like, I still dream about that tree. And even though it's gone and it's not there anymore, I know that its spirit is still with me, if that makes sense. You know, like how mm-hmm. um, in forests, like where trees die, the living ones still feed those yep. trees um, and vice versa. I, I feel like that kind of connection to that tree. And I've always had like a deeper connection to maples than I have to any other trees itself. So. Yeah. Where I grew, where I grew up, we had pines and ashes and mm-hmm. uh, maples and all just a real wide mix of trees because they let that place go wild for so long mm-hmm. that you get these really huge trees that would mm-hmm. be up that have been on the land for God's know how long. 
and yeah, I definitely, I, I feel you there with uh, the feeling that connection still. Um, there's, there's nothing quite like having a connection to the land in your, in your home. Mm-hmm. And and like Molly Multiverse just posted not that long ago, you know, spirit active conversation, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. I I think it's funny when people ask me, um, how long have you been on this path? And I kind of laugh and I I ask the question, you know, actively or when was I pinged? Because I believe that I was pinged when I was just over a year old. You know, I almost died from a fever. I had, a, I think, a hundred and, between 104 and 105 fever, and my body went into a febrile seizure to counter that. And they yeah. took me up to, to uh, Beaumont up here. Mm-hmm. So whenever we go by Beaumont, I always say a prayer of thank you. You know, like, you saved my life. Um, yeah, I, I feel that I was born premature. I was supposed to be born in March. I was born in December and I was all of epic. I was two pounds, two ounces. I'm the size of my current palm. I died on them from what I was told. I pretty much died on them three different times. Mm. And, uh, so when people ask me, like, well, do you think that every sickness is a shaman initiation? No, but three times is a pretty ominous number where I come from. Bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> the doctors actually told my mom that they were surprised that I went into a seizure on my own because mm-hmm. usually they have to induce it to get the fever to break. At least that's mm-hmm. what they thought back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that my body took over and I had no damage in my brain or my nervous system from it at all, they said, and they told her when I was, cause I, I guess I was unconscious for a few hours. They said the likelihood of her being a normal child now is very slim. See, that's the funny part. They told my parents the same damn thing. They're like, yeah, there's slim to no chance that this kid is going to be able to walk he's going to be having a normal life. Mm-hmm. My parents kind of took that as a challenge and went bullshit. Yeah. Watch <laughs> I, him. I, I went through years of physical therapy to learn to walk right. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was very, very young, like from, from one to five or six, because they were determined this kid's going to walk and ride a bike. I have to hand it to my parents for, for putting forward as much work as they did to keep me alive and keep me uh, having as normal and sane a life as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I grew up with two older brothers and a lake at my disposal. You know, as soon as I was walking, my mom, I mean, even when I was a newborn, my mom had me in the water. And so that I really believe that between the spirit of the lake and the spirit of my brother's twin is the reason why I'm here today. Um, I don't know if I ever told you that story. My middle brother was actually born a twin. No, you hadn't. Um, And so my brother was born first. And when he came out, Nicholas rolled over and had the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. And uh, his airway was cut off for too long. So he developed cerebral palsy, um, which wasn't a big deal. 
for my parents, I mean, they're a struggling business owner and everything, but they're like, we're going to keep them. We're going to do everything we can to keep them alive and take care of them. You know, like I, I'm not going to do that to him, you know? Um, but he died almost a year to the day, um, after he was born compared to when I had the fever and had the seizure. So it was just like a few days off. Like he was a year and a couple of months old when he died. And I was a year and a couple of months old when I had my, my fever and my febrile seizure. And so like figuring all that math out and figuring out the, the connection and the correlation and the parallel of the two, I was just like, holy shit. Oh my God. Like instant goosebumps. I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do about Mm -hmm. this like panic attack and so that 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 was the day that I sat down and accepted. I was like, "Okay, guys, I got, I I got it now. Sorry for being such a shithead earlier. I guess I mean, I'm gonna do the thing." I mean, when it comes to to the where we all come out of, and and there there's some things that kind of like really hardcore point to you being on this path. So, not only did I die three times when I was born, I'm not actually the firstborn. I'm the first one that lived. There are two children before me. I am actually the third born. So there's a section of the Havamal that always makes me kind of chuckle Mm -hmm. where Odin calls himself first, second, and third. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Given my background, it always makes me kind of chuckle. We wonder why Odin came to you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know. Um... (laughs) The, I don't share this story, but I'm feeling like I, I felt like I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, we're sharing so much about where we came out of. And for my part, I, I need to kind of move past the worried about how I sound when I share this story. Mm-hmm. You know, being the third born and the first born who lived, being the person who's died three times and lived and then getting picked up at age five and said pointed out like hey by the way you know um it's funny because i'm still a pretty big believer in forging your own destiny but i also think that there are just some people who kind of get the yeah that's really cool and all but um here's what you're gonna do (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, there's a lot over over the course of my life where if I look back, I go, "Wow, that's a big friggin' setup." Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Freedom within a limited sphere of action. <laughs> you have this big of a path of freedom, and you can do whatever you want in between here, but you cannot go outside of it. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, I'm back. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's actually kind of important that the audience gets to see this or at least hear it that there are times where we just mute our mics and have to go do something because the obligations don't stop because we're podcasting that's right that's right out into the yard i go yeah if you guys randomly see me disappear it's usually because i have to go pee (laughs) (laughs) well like we said obligations right (laughs) I was taught a long time ago not to hold it. If you got to go, you got to go. 
Yeah, that's actually been one of the things that's actually been keeping me um, motivated, actually, is that um, knowing that I have the sunset prayers every night, it's kind of, it, it's really kind of neat. I'm really enjoying going through this process. I haven't done something like it before in a whole year. That's going to be something, but even I'm though sure you the asked, months like, will be fantastic. Oh, you'll do fine. <laughs> you say this after asking like 75 to 80 people in a room at convocation to pick one thing to do for an entire year yeah i know i did it to myself i understand <laughs> doesn't mean i like it that's, no, that's actually i've been enjoying it quite a bit actually so i enjoy seeing your um your additions to tiktok pop up on, <laughs> on my feed i always make sure to give it a little heart just because <laughs> I'm a loyalist, I guess. I, you know, it's been, it, it's been a silly amount of fun. I like watching some of the other videos and um, hosting up my sunset prayers keeps me motivated because I know there's people that are looking for them. So if I don't post one up, then, you know, like it, it's the motivation factor. And then I've been slowly doing that spiritual accounting. I, the ones I posted up today, I used an actual sock puppet in the videos. It's really entertaining. Hey, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do, right? So speaking of TikTok, I, I hope this will be a short conversation, but I, I have to do a little rant because... Yeah, no, go for it. I've actually been holding off on doing the YouTube video on this because I don't want my first, my first video on YouTube to be a rant against somebody because of their inaccuracy and complete and utter, utter fucking stupidity when it comes to self-care. Um, but I saw a post on TikTok. This is for context for people that's not on the Discord. But I saw a TikTok the other day that um, somebody was doing a series about self-care. And this one happened to be um, what self-care is not. And they stated that showering slash bathing, brushing your hair and doing your makeup is not considered self-care. It is basic general hygiene. And then they did this really like irritating kind of like shrug at the end, like, sorry, you're wrong. I'm cute. And I'm like, I want to breach through my fucking phone and strangle you right now. Because you clearly have <laughs> not reached such a deep level of trauma or depression <laughs> or anxiety to where brushing your hair is self-care and taking a shower is self-care and putting on makeup that day is considered self-care. That is not the end of self-care. That is not mm -hmm. where it, that is not it. That's not all of it. But those are the first basic steps after a traumatic event to take is like, okay, I'm going to write up a schedule for myself and I'm going to stick to it because I need to shower. I need to eat. I need to sleep at a certain time. I need to do this. Mm -hmm. That is basic self-care, creating a routine of basic hygiene, of certain little things that you do during the day. That is self-care. And it is so vitally important. I just, ah. So in, in the site, I'm going to kind of jump off your topic here real quick. Please do. So in psychiatry and psychology, we call this activities of daily living. It is self-care because without these, the rest of your building blocks fall, of your life fall the fuck apart. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. If you can't get to ADLs, you're not you're not 
going to be getting anything out of any kind of advanced therapy or any kind of advanced self-care from that. So if you can't get in the shower on the regular, like you need to, and getting in the shower on the regular doesn't mean taking a shower every single day. It can, it might mean just kind of getting your ass in the shower every third day, whatever you can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's making sure you get enough water. It's making sure you get enough food. It's taking care of the bottom rung of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like guys, whatever you need to do to feel whole and healthy, do it, please. Well, and it, it's not even, it's not even feeling whole and healthy either. Um, thinking back to those last two years, mm-hmm. making sure that I was taking care of myself so that I didn't get worse was right. vitally important. It didn't feel good to be in the shower because I was all alone with nothing but my thoughts to occupy me, which was very dangerous at that time. So I I really hated showering, but I knew I had to do it. And so I forced myself and I didn't even, I never skipped a day either because if I skipped a day, I would sit there and I would go, well, how long has it been since I showered? And I would sit there and like, did I shower yesterday? And suddenly it's five days since I've showered. So I had to shower every single day because of how far gone and how far disassociated I was. You know, so to anybody out there who thinks that showering and bathing is just general hygiene, check yourself before you fucking say that to somebody because you could really, really damage somebody's routine of self-care, of their grounding, their basics of getting to those next levels, you know. So just don't, please, God, don't. So it is hygiene. It is basic hygiene. It is basic hygiene, but it's but, also self-care. But, it, yeah, that doesn't remove itself from being self-care. And, you know, when people talk about, well, you know, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Okay. Unless you're this person's therapist? spouse, therapist, psychiatrist, stop diagnosing each other, please. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it's one thing if somebody comes to me and says, hey, what spiritual work can I do to improve my life or, or to help with my outlook or whatever. If somebody comes to me for advice, that's one thing. And if there's a need out in the community, like there's a difference between putting a TikTok out about this is grounding and centering. This is discernment where there's clearly a need in the community for some kind of information to be put out there. That's different from saying you need to do blah in terms of somebody's healthcare or psychiatry or even spiritual work, because at that point, by putting the information out there and saying, this is what you do with spiritual accounting. This is what it is. This is what it means. This is how you do it. You know, at that point, you leave the decision to engage in the spiritual accounting in somebody else's hands. I highly recommend it. As a point of fact, I will say that pretty much everybody who does spirit work should have some kind of spiritual accounting. But can I force you to do it? No. No, it, there are times where I really friggin' wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, to each their own. If you're not going to do your own spiritual accounting, then that's, you're not doing basic self-spirit care. Yep. You know, I mean, there there's a reason why we harp on these things constantly over and over and over again. And it's because it's necessary and it's needed for a healthy spiritual practice. I wonder how often when we find people who are like, I am, I am so cursed. It, really? Have you had you, have you cleansed you, lately? 
Are you sure you didn't curse yourself? Because uh, you any- know, I got I got to tell you guys the, you know, there's a, the community, on TikTok called Witch Talk, which is you know interesting various various traditions, and posting stuff. And uh, so somebody went around saying that they were going to put a hex or a curse on all the major practitioners and all the newbies and everything else. And I had to make a video going, listen, first of all, there's nobody around here that's got that kind of juice. Don't worry about it. Second of all, it's like, listen, the world is just like chock full of anxiety right now. Mm-hmm. All it takes is someone to suggest to you that something is personally wrong with you and you're going to find yourself overwhelmed with all this anxiety around you. Just just cleanse, banish, and take care of yourself. Really, that's, just start there. It doesn't yeah. have to be a hex. It doesn't have to be a curse. Just, just take care of yourself. Yeah. You, you know what? Usually when somebody comes to me with, oh, I've been cursed and all this stuff, I'm like, all right, cool. Let, let's start with grounding first. See if it, that gets it to go away. No, mm-hmm. but you feel better, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's no. try centering. You can't make me feel better. <laughs> I won't admit I feel better. I'm going to sit over <laughs> here and pout. No, I'm not ready to go to bed either. Mm. You can't make me. You doo-doo head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're mocking, but like genuinely the amount of pushback i've gotten from people when i used to read at the owl when i used oh, to yeah, ask them yeah, yeah. basic shit like do you have any like there were times where i'd be like okay look you clearly have a bunch of crap on you do you have a regular cleansing practice do you have an ancestor altar does this have anything to do with an ex-lover because if so there's the door you don't need a reading you just need to go do your shit yeah yeah <laughs> There were a couple yeah. of people I turned away like that. And they were like, well, how could you just do that? Well, because you don't, you don't need a reading. You just need to go take care of your stuff. Anything that we're going to talk about at the divination session is going to be directly related to this. Now, if you want to pay me 20 bucks to say, go cleanse, I'll do that. <laughs> I'm trying to save times, some money here. How many times have we saved someone's ass by saying, have you eaten recently? Right. Have a banana, have a, banana, have a cookie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go sit under that tree. Yeah. <laughs> And they usually came back and were like, wow, I feel so much better. It's like, yeah, go figure. Yeah, I know. This should be a daily or at the very least a weekly practice. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, I mean, I am not going to say that hexes and cursing isn't possible. And having done my fair share of magic over the internet, I am not going to say that the medium of the internet is not a very, very effective medium of magic. You mm-hmm. swim in those currents shit gets wild it can also get really fun that's the other aspect of it though this can be fun it can be fun yeah that's i mean like a lot of people will be like oh well magic you know it's either it's either for protection or it's for hexing you can do other stuff with it stuff that that stimulates your mind stuff that stimulates your growth stuff that just um stimulates you because it's the internet uh I want to talk about this thing called manifestation because it's wonderful and it works. <laughs> Look, I, when I had my COBOL, it was like nearing end of life. I was like, all right, guys, I want a reasonably priced SUV that is in decent condition with low miles and, you know, it's fairly new. It doesn't have to be brand new, but, you know, reasonably new. Um, and I, and I shit you not almost a year to the day of me starting this manifestation work, my mom calls me and says, Hey, I'm 
selling my SUV, but I wanted to offer it to you first for this amount of price. That was like half of what they would have sold it to the general public. And it had decent miles on it. It has a couple of dents from it for my nephew's horse and around, but I don't care. It's a vehicle. All it's right. an SUV. It's exactly what I so, wanted. So question, what's the difference between manifestation work and the people that are, that are, uh, uh, you know, the, the secret and you think it into existence. What's the difference? How do we, how do we, how do we explain to people how we feel that there's a difference? Uh Oh, (laughs) I I, I want to wait for Caitlin to form her thoughts on this. I'm really curious as to what your reaction is because I have thoughts. So for me, the difference is, usually with my manifestation work is I do a ritual or a ceremony mm-hmm. and it's semi-formal to very formal depending on my mood. Um, and I oftentimes take that energy that I created during that ceremony or ritual and I give it to the spirits that I have built up a relationship with. And I say, this is the thing that I want and not necessarily need, but want. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving it in your hands and sometimes pause depending on who I'm handing, handling, <laughs> handing it to because, hey, I found Otorango is very good at manifestation work. I'm not going to lie, dude. She's pretty awesome. Um, hand it to them and I say, bring this to me if it is what I need. It's what I want, but it, that's the basic premise of this is what I want, but only bring it to me if it's what I need. And then I continue offering information to that work. Now, the people who say you think it into existence, I kind of see like what they're talking about, but it's so, and actually we had this conversation the other day, but it's so right field instead of left field because most of the left fields are very common. Um, So it's so right field that it doesn't make sense. Like, I mean... I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Like you can't just, for me, you just can't do that. It's not possible. I mean, you have enough protections, like ancestral protections that even if you don't have an ancestral uh, practice, they're going to protect you from that sort of thing. Okay. So when I was doing professional tarot readings in Flint, Michigan, the store owner decided that putting this goddamn thing on repeat every day was a really good idea. (laughs) I hate that fucking DVD with a passion because I got to watch that damn DVD every day for the four hours that I would do readings (laughs) because she'd reset it. So I got to watch it twice. Thank gods. I only went to this shop like two or three days a week, but that means I got at least every week, four hours of exposure for two to three days. I watched eight to 12 hours of this so fucking much. movie. <laughs> now, I tell you love it. I, oh my God. So, okay. So, so Mother Multiverse did make the point, and I, I will agree, it's the right idea and sloppy technique. The, the basic form of how you manifest is in the secret. But the problem with the secret is there's nothing in relationship in it. There is like, they treat the universe like a big fucking vending machine where you punch in the 
number of the thing you want and the universe is supposed to spit it out at your feet. The bit that most of the new age philosophies around this notion completely miss is that you are living in relationship with other people who are trying to manifest their own realities. Um, and that there are spheres of influence to which you don't have access to. <laughs> I want to read that because that's awesome. So Mother, Mother Multiverse said, do you know how Saren's mental toughness improved? Hint, it wasn't from the spiritual practice. It was surviving that goddamn movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is, that is, no, I won't say it won't, well, it wasn't the spiritual practice. It was the spiritual practice paired with that movie. Nothing like being under fire for, for the whole time you're trying to read uh, mm-hmm. somebody's tarot reading and this fucking thing's in the background going, manifest your re- desired reality. <laughs> uh, the thing with the manifestation bit is that it misses a lot of the relationships that are necessary to make the thing happen, and it focuses over much on the lust of result. Mm-hmm. As a ceremonial magician, the thing that drove me crazy about it was that, okay, so you've got the visualization techniques and the breathing and the posture right. Great but you have none of the means to bring it to fruition because the whole point of setting up a triangle of art when you're trying to contact and summon a spirit is that there are reasons for why you're putting all this crazy shit together. Mm-hmm. There's reasons for why you have a triangle of art and you're standing inside of a magic circle. It's so that you can contain that. Otherwise you're just spewing your shit out into the universe completely unfocused. It's like, okay, so it, <sighs> It's, it's equivalent to taking the teeny little pistol, um, uh, not super soaker, like a teeny little pistol versus a super soaker. The big difference, like they both transport water. The big difference is that the super soaker pressurizes the water and shoots it in a straight stream that away. And you occasionally have to refill it. And just pretending like you can just sit here and go pew, pew, pew. And the universe is going to respond with, well, everything's going to get wet now is ridiculous on its face. You have X and Y amount of energy. You have y and, uh, uh, Z and A amount of focus. You have so many spheres of influence that this can actually manifest properly. The problem is like, if you aim for a million dollars in a year, what kind of shit are you going to have to do to get that? Because you might be robbing a bank. Uh, I mean, I manifested the million dollars. I'm on the run, but by God, I got a million dollars. You know, um, the notion that the universe should hand you this because you're a person and, and you deserve this is kind of goofily equivalent to an idea of, well, it's a dog, therefore I should hand it every treat. If I hand the dog every fucking treat, I'm going to kill it. Sometimes the universe, and I see this meme on my Facebook a couple of times already, and it, it makes me laugh every time I think about it, you know, putting us in the role of the dog, sometimes the universe has to chase us down and go, what's in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> what do you have in your mouth? Stop it. Give it, give it back to me. You know, and you can show um, 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 and swallow before the universe has a chance to take it out of your mouth, or you can cooperate and let the universe take it out of your mouth because you're trying to choke down chocolate and you're an idiot. And you're a dog and it's going to kill you. So the, the notion that the universe should hand us our wants just because, oh, we think we should have it is goofy on its face. And even if you don't look at the universe as a personification of a great spirit or a being, put that all aside. From a strictly manifestation perspective, when you're talking about magic, that isn't how any of this shit works. 
you don't, if you don't have the concentration, if you haven't contained the spell, if you haven't done the proper setup, you've taken the firing pin out of your freaking gun. It's not going to do anything. It's just you're going to make clicky noises and you think you're going to do something, but there's going to be no bullets coming out because the very mechanism by which the bullets travel is disabled. So, yeah. <laughs> like, the secret will teach you how to load the gun, but it sure won't tell you what proper procedure for firing or aiming is. So you get a lot of people who will go, I, I got the secret, and then they'll point the gun at their foot and shoot and go, I understand why I'm bleeding. <laughs> I have manifested a foot wound. Um, there, there were times where I got really, I, some of the, the job that I'm in, you know, the, the spirits were riding my ass to get land and to start developing, you know, uh, getting animals and planting and all this other stuff. And it's like, okay, look, if you motherfuckers want me to have all this great shit, you give me the means to do it because I don't have them. The, th the thing about the secret is that it indulges in hubris because you don't have to say, I can't do this. You go up to the universe, swagger up with your dick swinging and go, I should have this. And the universe goes, that's, that's cute. You're adorable. You know, and to expect the universe is just going to shift because you said, I want this thing is, it's adorable, but it's not effective magic. Bringing the conversation full circle, this universe occasionally looks at you and says, you're a tool. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this tool speaking to me? <laughs> that tool is certainly... <laughs> <laughs> who does this tool think he is I want to be a wrench but you're a screwdriver yeah you but can't I be a pry bar dude. wrench really hard <laughs> but I really really want to screw things <laughs> oh man <laughs> no you know what I'm not going to touch that that's a whole new can of worms <laughs> <laughs> I got a husband for that it's fine Oh, yeah. Oh man. And every tool can be every yeah. tool can be a hammer when swung hard enough. Absolutely right, Mother Multiverse. <laughs> well done. Well done. And I, I think Boy. that it, a lot remind, of this is remind me of Mother Multiverse. I've got a feather I want to hand you. <laughs> a feather and a roofing nail. I want to see this process play out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! I actually don't. Okay, so, 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 Fenharel actually brought something up, and I don't fundamentally disagree with this in, in terms of the secret. You, know, you have a team of spiritual helpers all around to help you. You do. They're called ancestors, and they're called Vorther. And for us, Vorther means guardian. So it's like the spirit that is kind of like going to be by your side, whether you want it or not, keeping you from doing stupid shit. God, I feel bad for my Vorther. Yeah, Poor yeah. thing's probably overworked. Needs some chocolate. Maybe a hot chocolate. <laughs> I would say we do have guardians. Um uh since since that came out as a as a question. Yes, I do, and and I think that we owe our ancestors for that. Mm -hmm. You know, because whether or not the Vorther is an Vorther, excuse me, is an ancestor or not is kind of beside the point. The point is, is that whether the ancestors set us up with one or it's just something we have. 
and I, I, I'm inclined to think it's an ancestry thing. Um, so, yes, I, I do think everybody's got some kind of guardian. Whether or not you're doing shit to, to make its job harder is another story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't make your guardian's face palm all the time. That's bad. <laughs> Mine has a permanent red spot on their forehead right now. So. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys, our, our little chat with no specific topics is almost two hours now. So I wow. think I know it. We, we might. I do. Before we, we officially sign off, though, I do want to say that we have two new patrons. Yay! Patreon. We've got uh, Zeta Words, who signed up at the Tinder level, and Tammy, who signed up at the Kindling level. So we've got two new people. How about that? And, and Tammy is one of my students, but I didn't ask for that. They did it. She did it all on her own. <laughs> Much appreciated. There was no arm twisting there, we swear. No arm twisting. Love you, no Tammy. Arm. Just threats to her eternal soul. No, that's the- <laughs> <laughs> This is how I manifest money, motherfuckers. You want this pass, you'll pay for it. You're going to owe me a favor. <laughs> you come to me on this day, the day of my IU's graduation. Oh my God! <laughs> oh. All right. Well, let's uh, let's call it a wrap. Anything you guys want to talk about or promote real quick before we head off? Uh sure. Yeah, actually, um, if folks want to ask me questions, get readings, and that kind of thing, hit me up on Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash s a r e n t h o d i n s s o n sarent at gmail.com is my email so if you guys want readings if you want me to write on something if you want me to explore a topic on my blog or my patreon hit me up there um i have more than uh enough time at this point where it would definitely help me to focus and it's given me a lot to think about and a lot to reconsider in different lights because something that seems obvious to me might not be so obvious and it forces me to reconsider Mm -hmm. and explore in depth. Um, The most recent blog post I made was a um, part two on death walking in a Northern tradition context, in a heathen context and how you death walk the soul. So it's going to, it's a, it's, it took me months to finally put this together, but that came from a topic suggestion. Yeah. So that's what's on my mind right now. Yeah. Um, And keep an eye out. Hopefully I will get it going either tomorrow or Wednesday, but I'm going to offer a free story blog, kind of similar to Saren's WordPress. Instead, it's just going to be a series of short stories that I'm offering free to the public during this time because we all have a bunch of a bunch of time to waste and nothing better to do so I figured I'd offer some entertainment and what I'm starting with is uh fiction non-fiction stories of my interactions with uh different deities and different journeys that I've had with them and some of the lessons that I've been taught very cool I like it -hmm. yeah that's really awesome I didn't know that that was coming up so that's pretty awesome yeah. All right. What about you, Jim? Um, well, you know, I'm I'm slowly starting to get back to work here, so um, I would say uh, follow me on TikTok. That's my current waste of time. 
Uh, <laughs> considering the up. stuff you've talked about, I don't think it's a waste of time at all. <laughs> help me get up. Well, I've actually, yeah, it, it's been kind of interesting. I've been trying to help a lot of the younger kids sort things out and, and get them good information and, um, you know, trying to worm my way up to a thousand followers. I mean, I think 679 right now. Something That's impressive since you so, just started yeah. that, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, something like that. A couple of weeks back, and the uh, the one little one minute video banishing tutorial I did that's got almost five thousand plays. Nice! Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's so, awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of fun. Good information and, you know, is key. That's right. Right. Well, I don't have you know the comic book shop shut down. Some of my usual <laughs> time wasters are gone. Guys, it's you academic articles, but you know, there's only so much of that I can do. And my Legit. book list, I'm I'm almost caught up on my book list right now, and it's getting scary. Oh, I oh, have wow. never ever been this close to completing my list of books that I wanted to read, and I'm I'm scared. <laughs> so before we we jump the thread, um, Jim, you need to give your TikTok info so people can find you. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a big it. shock. It's Jim Tusick. <laughs> like to the surprise of absolutely nobody <laughs> if you go on tiktok and do a search for jim two snakes you'll find me yeah excellent <laughs> this is really fun yeah, thank you guys nice. so much. i'm glad i'm glad we did this I, we needed a time to get caught up ourselves so thank believe you everybody it, for listening we really appreciate it go ahead Caleb, what were you saying i was just gonna say believe it or not i actually enjoy spending time with you guys right oh oh wow all right. You know, if How years about- and years and years of stalking you at the owl didn't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, share the show. Go check out our links and our various projects. And we will talk to you next time around the fire.
走。